seconds flat. Give me up. Put it down, put it This is the Seconds Flat Running Podcast. He's been broken three times. He refuses to give in. He might do it. Look at that guy. Look at Blake Zero. Oh, my God. Hello again, friends. Welcome to Mile 112 of the Seconds Flat Running Podcast. So great to have you back with us. And so great to welcome in our friend, Zach Barker from Morton. Zach, welcome. Thank you. Honored to be here. Uh, It is our pleasure, man. So tell people a little bit about yourself, what you do, and your company, which is super exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So I... uh... I actually just took this job with Morton back in November. Uh, I was the first U.S. employee hired, and I am the East Coast Marketplace lead. So I travel working with retailers all along the East Coast. But I think my my way I came to Morton is is pretty important. Everyone in the U.S., now we have three employees. Uh, we came to Morton as users of the product and marathoners. And so I'd like to share a little bit about my background and how I discovered Morton personally. Yeah, please do, man. Yeah, I think sure. that'd be great because it's a product that... I love, I know a ton of our listeners use, you're going to be the official on-course nutrition at Boston, which we've been talking about the race. Of course, we had Dick on last week to tell his story. And so, your experience as a runner yourself is going to translate to what so many people are going through right now. Yeah, sure. And before I share my story, I loved listening to that episode with Dick. It was funny. He made a comment in there about not having all the the fun nutrition on course, and I thought that was great because you know now I'm here to to share all the fancy nutrition that yeah, will be on well, course this year. So let's pause right there for a minute. We'll come back to your story yeah, because sure. I think that's a critical juxtaposition from the last episode to this one. The evolution of 40 years of racing, and it's a much longer evolution than that. If we look at what folks did a hundred years ago. Some of the on-course nutrition, if you want to call it that, I use the term loosely, are things we would now see as totally deleterious to our effort. Sure. Uh, then we went through the phase of like taking anything was a sign of weakness. Then we evolved to the the shorter years in the 70s, the deflated Coke kind of stuff, which actually is a little closer to what we do now. But guys like Beardsley and Salazar took this just tough as nails, I can fight through anything approach. And as Dick said, it was, if somebody hands me something on the course, maybe I take it, maybe I don't. But formalized nutrition has evolved so much since then, and especially just in the past decade. So what we can do now, both in our racing and training, to create a better experience, and hopefully in some ways when we look back at Dick's experience of how he broke down after that race. I think if we use this stuff well in our training sessions and our racing and to some degree how we live our everyday lives, we can become better athletes for longer and do the stuff you and I both love for more years. So that's just a huge storyline of what has changed over the past four decades and what you all do so well at Morton. Yeah, I mean, you're you're preaching Morton for me right now. (laughs) That's that's exactly what we talk about internally. Like, I love that type of mentality, just tough as nails, like, but, you know, and in some ways, 
bringing in a nutrition company like Morton into your training, into your fueling on a daily basis and into race day helps you recover so much better that you can enjoy the sports for so much longer. So you're hitting the nail right on the head. That's that's perfect. You can um, slip me a 20 after yeah, I finish that. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Go ahead with your background, man. Yeah, sure, sure. So I uh, I grew up in Reading, Pennsylvania. Was in a small small little farm town and uh, you know, loved sports growing up and quickly realized though I wasn't all that athletic but I was really good at running forever uh like a lot of kids that end up running cross country so that's right had a lot of success in high school and ended up uh running division one in college and went in there probably a little little cocky because I had some local success but uh you know got to college and realized there's a lot of really fast people and you know really struggled a lot and I almost gave up on the sport entirely um, but some some even further background, like when I was growing up, my mom was in a wheelchair and um, just like watching the way she lived her life was really interesting because she had so much passion and joy for life, even despite this thing that was going on where she could not even walk. And I have never seen my mom walk. And I think as a kid, I didn't realize the reality of that sacrifice. Mm. So then when I was in college and not performing well and really down on myself, I started really thinking back to what. I watched my mom go through and just her passion for life. And I really quickly realized that I have this great ability and this gift of movement and I'm not using it well. Like I'm, I'm really down on myself and like the same way she's encouraged people, I want to encourage people to move. And so in that moment that I realized that I actually switched my major uh, to business and decided I wanted to be in, involved in run specialty. Yeah. Um, so I ended up working at a store for a little while in Pennsylvania after college. After college too, I did end up giving up on, on my own running. I just wanted to encourage other people to do it. And so I was working at this store, but my, my college roommate, Jared Cornfield was like, Zach, I think, I think you got more in you. Like, I think you should give another shot at this. And so we didn't even have a race plan. He's just like, I just want, want to see if you can run. 10 straight 100 mile weeks. Like, let's just see how fit you can get. And when I did that, I ended up PRing in the mile. I PRed in the 5K by 45 seconds, the 10K by two minutes, and the half marathon by four minutes. And then it started this journey where I, I started building up to the marathon and trying to, to OTQ. And this is kind of how I ended up discovering Morton on this journey is, so I was in the 2017 Philadelphia Marathon. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up running 234, but I fell over at mile 21 because I did not like the nutrition I was taking. And I ended up throwing it up all yeah. over the course. And I like really quickly was like, all right, I got to figure this out. I got to figure out what I need to do nutrition wise. And found out what Kipchoge was using, like a lot of other Morton yeah. users ended up doing and uh, started trying it. And then two years later at the 2019 Philadelphia Marathon, I feel like I finally nailed my nutrition plan. Uh, I was using Morton um, and had a massive PR. I ran 2.20.40 and uh, got uh, much closer to the OTQ, still chasing it, but really fell in love with the product. And, you know, throughout the pandemic, my wife and I were looking for, for some change and some flexibility with where we were living. And, and so ended up discovering Morton as a user. I was really excited to interview and then um, was hired as the first employee in November. So really exciting journey to get there. In many ways, I love our company's motto, like our US team has said, our goal is to be the chosen plant or sorry the chosen fuel to fuel your personal best and and in many ways i feel like that ties to my personal mission of like i want people to chase their personal best through movement and i love that morton has been coming coming alongside that in a way that like really helps me 
encourage others to chase their passion. So it's a really exciting journey. I'm excited to be be with the company and doing some really cool things with them. Yeah. Zach, I love it, dude. It's fantastic. The story about your mom is so poignant because we often reflect here, but I think forget at times in our own lives how special the ability that we have to run is, regardless of the pace at which we do it. Absolutely. As you said, that journey of movement is, it's, it's a gift. And uh, it can be easy to forget that at times when a run gets difficult, um, when we're slogging through the miles. You talked about just stepping into 100-mile weeks. I've been there. Not every one of those miles is a joy, but having something like you do to reflect on is so powerful. And I hope that we all stay in tune with that and remember what a gift it is. You mentioned your own running career. And we discussed off air, you ran at Liberty, you ran with, I'll say the great Sam Chalanga, one of this century's best cross-country runners in the U.S. university system. I don't think there's any question. You have any best memory uh, or, or maybe best lesson that you learned from him as a guy a few years older than you who was at an incredible elite class when you arrived on campus? Yeah, yeah. He... First off, Sam was such a good guy, still is such a great guy, and uh, he was a major reason I ended up choosing to go to Liberty. With the success he had, I wasn't sure how approachable he would be, but mm-hmm. even on my recruiting visit, he hung out with me, just chatted with me, and we didn't even talk about running. It was great. He was just a really nice guy. And one of my first weeks on campus, um, after a practice, he drove three freshmen to the dining hall just to drop them off and be a nice guy so we didn't have to walk. And <laughs> He, he did something that's kind of funny, and I thought it was actually a very powerful lesson for me, but we were sitting in his car, and one of my, my other teammates that was a freshman was sitting in the back seat, and he reached down and pulled up his national championship cross-country uh, placard. <laughs> he was like, "Is Sam, is this your national championship trophy? And Sam, Sam just goes, yeah, that's it. Just throw it back on the ground. <laughs> and uh, I thought it was really funny, and I was like, man, like that's kind of crazy, um, but I think what he really taught me was that he was more dedicated to competing and doing the training and the awards and the recognition were not what he was all about. Like that stuff was cool, but he, he kind of lived this lifestyle where like he put in the work to run, but didn't talk about it too much and wanted to be a normal guy. And I really appreciated that about him because I think we can get caught up when we have that kind of success and the, the recognition and the awards. And, but he was just so dedicated to, to getting better and, and being a normal person outside of that. And I think that was just really powerful for me as a young 18 year old kid coming into the sport and into collegiate athletics and, and wanting to learn from something like that, having someone with that kind of humility that wasn't driven by that part of the success. So it was really, really cool to learn from him. Yeah. It seems in our world today, it's so easy to show off the awards and the recognition, as you said. But I do believe the best of the best, the men and the women who are at the top of the top, like Sam was in that Mm -hmm. moment, just put their head down and do the work, right? And and that is what leads to the results, not the flashy stuff. Super lesson from him. You mentioned your own training journey, trying for that Olympic trials qualifier mark. They have toughened the standard just a touch for the men this year, more significantly for the women as we approach the 2024 cycle. You're pretty close. You have a big race in the not too distant future. Tell us what's uh, on the horizon for you. Yeah, sure. So I, uh, 
Actually, my my wife and I are splitting time living between Reading, Pennsylvania and Flagstaff, Arizona right now. Oh, very um, cool. So my my college roommate is an assistant coach at NAU and he's been coaching yeah. me as well. Um, so we've been going out there for some training stints. Yeah. Uh, so I will actually be out there again July through September and at the end of September have the, the Berlin Marathon coming up. So yeah. that will be very exciting, especially because Morton is the the drink mix and gel sponsor for Berlin. For Berlin as well. Yep. So we're really excited about that. And then that's going to be my big OTQ attempt for this year. Ah, oh, that's, that's fantastic, man. So you've spent some time out in Flagstaff already yep. training out there. Yeah. I suspect you're getting to run with some uh, top-notch athletes out there. Yeah, train. No, it's, it's been super fun. Um, you know, one of our, one of our other college buddies, Colin Schultz is living out there and I've been able to run with him a lot. And he, uh, He's kind of been blowing up recently because he just placed fourth in the at USA's in the 800 meters. So yeah, that was very exciting and and cool to see that. But able to run with him, and then I mean, I, f- I feel like you show up at Lake Mary Road, you can run with right. pretty much any pro, and it's, yeah. uh, it was really cool experience. So we were out there January and February, got to meet a lot of people and made some great connections, some great training partners. It was really cool time. Yeah. That's so neat, man. Yeah, Flagstaff has become the mecca. It seems that for so long it was Boulder, where so many people. People still are, but yeah, just so many of the best of the best are in Flagstaff yeah, now. It, sure. It's a, a wonderful place. And of course, the success they've had at NAU is, speaks for itself. Yeah, right? absolutely. So since we are speaking to your journey towards hopefully a uh, 218 or better marathon, let's go ahead with our last week of training. I will let you go first, Dak, if you want to get into your last seven days. So we're recording Wednesday morning, so we will do last Wednesday through yesterday, which was Tuesday. Sure. What'd that look like for you? Yeah. So honestly, it was pretty rough. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I uh, I just did the Las Vegas half marathon and then took some time off. And now I'm... So tell us about Las Vegas. Yeah. How'd that go? What it looked like? Yeah. How was was the build up? It was okay. Um, We were in Flagstaff January and February. It was my first time really training at altitude. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I ended up focusing more so on getting volume than doing very specific speed work. Um, so I was just doing hundred mile weeks, um, a couple workouts here and there. I actually ended up helping, uh, Molly Seidel and Emily Enfeld with a few workouts. Yeah, very, cool. Was very cool to be able to link up with them, especially with the Morton connection. Yeah. So that was fun. And then, you know, I just kind of used Las Vegas as a as a way to test how the altitude training was going. So not the best time I've had. So I ran like low 108 Mm -hmm. um, in the half, but uh, I I was just happy to be out there competing, seeing how the altitude training was going and and use this as a test to see how I kind of adapted up there. So that when we go back out this summer, I can be really dialed in for the Berlin buildup. Cool. Um, So yeah, we did that and then came back to Pennsylvania and now I'm doing a little short track track stint for Love the it. spring yeah um just to get some more speed in and work on honest- the faster stuff yes. yeah and honestly that stuff makes me super uncomfortable because i don't have that kind of wheel <laughs> i hear you man and that's why it's been a little rough just because i've i've started doing some more specific speed sessions on the track that i'm just not used to and and i've been incredibly sore compared to normal on yeah. top of that i've been traveling up and up and down the east coast so yeah. and New York and Boston last weekend and then coming down down here to Greenville this weekend. So uh, just the travel and the, and the change of workout type has been a little rough on the body and then ended up with a little bit of a stomach bug too. So yeah, yeah. Uh, this week's been an adjustment. Just I finished a track workout last Tuesday and then ever since then I've just been trying to get my body to recover and do easy, easy mileage. So easy miles for then. the past seven. Yeah. When did you get sick? Um, I... Th- 
think it was actually Saturday. Okay, so you got when... sick, then still did a track session after that. That was a no, week. No, that no. was this Saturday. This, I'm this sorry. Saturday. So yeah, yeah, so you so the back half of the seven days we're looking at. Did you take any days off? Just. Uh... I think I just took Saturday off. Okay. Um, and then I've just been doing easy mileage and to how, fill in. How did it affect? So let's take a look then maybe at Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. How did it affect what the easy day looked like? Did you modulate any with uh, the distance or pace as compared to what you would normally do? I did. Yeah. I, I just went super easy, like did not try to target any sort of pace. I'm, I'm really keen on making your easy days easy like if you're feeling great sure you can push it a little bit but if you have to go slow like that's the point like it's all about time on feet and so Mm -hmm. coming off not feeling great on saturday i just decided i wanted to get out get my legs moving um so i just did some easy mileage i actually did just like a four and four double um Mm -hmm. on monday yesterday i just did six and then um you know, today I'll, I'll go out for a run uh, a little bit later this afternoon, see how I'm feeling, but just trying to recover from all the travel, that, that sickness and let my body rest just because I've, I've been doing a lot, you know, there's yeah. a lot going on in, in life with, with work and, and all that kind of stuff. And it's okay to rest. I think that's one of the, the most neglected parts of training and, and people so get in their head if they miss something. And even me, I still get in my head if I miss something, but I just like knowing that it's okay to, to let yourself recover because you do put in the hard work on all the other, other days. So. Yeah, you know, you told me I sold Morton for you at the beginning. You're selling one of our big themes here about recovery yeah. and the adaptation that comes with it. You have a block till Berlin. What, do you know the date on Berlin this year? It's uh, September 25th. Right. So it's yeah. always late September. So the 25th. Uh, so you're looking at nearly six months yeah. from now. Yeah. And this is such an important lesson for all of us that one day in March is not going to determine the outcome in September. But we can do something to undermine it if we try to force that day in March. And just having perspective about the entirety of there's a whole bunch of runs that are going to happen and that consistency is way more important. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Okay, I'll go through quickly what I did in the last seven. Uh, Last Wednesday was a fartlek session, uh, 15 times, minute on, minute off. And then five by 30 second hill afterward. So it looks like I covered a little under 5.4 miles in 30 minutes. So it was averaged out to 530 something for the ons and the offs. I bring up those averages only for those who care about numbers. We make this point on here a lot, Zach. I don't practice a ton. I'm more worried about effort. Sure. Uh, but I did run this same thing. I think it was either seven or weeks or seven or eight weeks earlier. And this was a pretty significant improvement in the pacing, particularly on the offs, just floating more yeah. than easier on the offs. Went back out and got a short 30 minute double in the evening. I wrote that that was that morning effort was in a monsoon. It was kind of <laughs> nasty here that day. Followed that up with uh, 70 minutes easy and then a 30 minute double the next day and went to a yoga class nice felt good about it too yeah, i felt awesome. better coming out of that friday was 70 minutes again with uh, six grass strides at the end of it then we had our big event on saturday our hill event with do south coffee aubrey from mizuno was down we had christina out from zone pt and a huge turnout of folks over at hampton station to run on uh, my favorite hill loop there on cosmos crit so it was so great to see everybody we 
probably will do something like this, a hill workout or some similar group session, like quarterly is our hope. Now that we've seen there was some energy for it. Yeah, so that's awesome. you know, we had probably close to 40 people out and really had a bunch of fun. So anyway, this worked out to be a pretty controlled effort for me of 15 times, 30 seconds uphill that was probably around 5k pace, I bet. And then it was like 90 seconds steady around the block to get back, kind of bouncing back and forth with some groups of folks. Some guys I coach were out there. Met some new people, so we bounced around for that, plus a warm-up and a cool-down, of course. Easy double on Sunday. It was about 65 minutes in the morning and 25 in the afternoon. Did some strides on the turf after that. Went long. One of my favorite places to go long. I wish you were going to be here longer and healthier, Zach, (laughs) because uh, some dirt roads just between here and Asheville, the rolling hills, uh, virtually all dirt the whole way, put in two two hours on Monday. Yeah, it's it's just fantastic. Right on the edge of the mountains, the views, the wildlife. It's You'll see so many wild turkeys and deer and all that kind of stuff. A bunch of horse farms. So put in two hours out there Monday morning. Weather was just bang on, man. It was heaven. It was one of those we are always looking for, right? Yep. So uh, a little under 18.6 miles in two hours on Monday. Yesterday was super easy in the morning, a little over seven miles. And so I was up above eight minute pace, shuffling along, did a little yoga after that as well. And then last night after work, went out and doubled yeah, five miles in 38.40 with some grass strides to end it. There's my last seven. So while yours was rough for multiple <laughs> yeah. reasons, you're transitioning to some different specific work. You've sure. been feeling sick. I, I'm feeling probably close to about as good as I ever have. So Yeah, that sounds like a great week. Ah, thanks, yeah. man. Let's try not to ruin it is my whole goal <laughs> yeah, now. Sure, so sure. we'll see how I respond and moving forward. Yeah, excited about it. Zach, let's now pivot to some specifics about Morton. Sure. All right. Let, let's begin with a description of the products that you guys have because your line is relatively simple, but within that packs a lot of punch and does provide some options based on each individual finds different fueling methods to be most efficient. So you do have some options here, whether it's drink or gel. Yeah. Uh, so just give us first the lineup and then some of the nuance within that. Yeah, sure. Yeah, no, you're, you're incredibly right there. I mean, we have a very simple lineup. We only have five products available, six if you count the bottle itself. Yeah, that's right. You do sell the water bottle. <laughs> yes, we do sell the water bottle. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I love the way we have it designed because when you look at the packaging and how simple our lineup is with only five products, it's it's very much so in that Swedish principle of simplicity. And yeah. even when you look at our products, the, the product name is literally what the product is. Mm-hmm. And so I love that. But then the, the product inside of it is very complex and scientific. So right now we have three different drink mix options. So we have the drink mix 320 which is a drink mix with 320 calories and 80 grams of carbohydrates. We have the drink mix 320, uh, 100 calf or sorry, calf 100. And that would be the same exact product with a hundred milligrams of caffeine. The drink mix 160, which is half the calorie count and then 40 grams of carbohydrates. And then we have the two gels. So the gel 100, 100 calories, uh, 25 grams of carbs, and then the gel 100, calf 100, which is the same with 100 milligrams of calf. So simple, clean lineup. Literally, the name of the product tells you how many calories it is and what the product is, which I, I love. It's very mm-hmm. simple. Um, it is very exciting product. I feel like we've really taken off um, just with some of the athletes we've worked with. And uh, 
the science behind what's in the actual packaging is is kind of where we've uh, really set ourselves apart. You want to get into that a little bit, then, yeah, Zach, yeah. On, on the science behind it? Because uh, I, I do agree that this has been a game changer in the industry. To some degree, whether you use Morton or not, the influence that you've created in this space in such a short period of time. Mm -hmm. So go ahead with more details on the science that has, I hate to say fueled Morton, but that you get it. <laughs> I yeah. like the pun. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was good. pathetic, but go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah sure. Yeah, so our, our team, um, our company is very much driven so by that we believe carbohydrates are the fuel your body needs to, to perform for an endurance activity. And even when you look at the American College of Sports Medicine, like they have certain recommendations on how many carbohydrates per hour you should consume during an endurance activity. So if you're doing an hour to two and a half hours, you want to be consuming 30 to 60 grams of carbs. If you're doing a marathon, so two and a half plus hours, you want to be consuming up to 90 grams of carbohydrates. But the the problem is, is our stomachs aren't necessarily meant to handle high concentrations of carbohydrates and sugar. And so it's really hard to actually meet those requirements or, or what is recommended. And so what has made us really unique is our, our founders figured out a way to deliver very high amounts of carbohydrates to the body without the problems that like a typical you know, a typical carbohydrate solution would give to the stomach. So yeah, the the traditional really sugary Gatorades and the kind of stuff that just sloshes around in the gut and you have trouble absorbing all those actual carbs given the sure. amount you had to drink to get it in. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, a lot of times when you consume those types of products, you end up with gastrointestinal issues. And that's why performance in a, mar a marathon can suffer because you're dealing with that problem that was created by trying to absorb the amount of carbohydrates recommended and you at philly in what was it 2017 yeah, 17, yeah. yes that was that was me i was on the ground throwing it all up yeah. it was a gross gross time <laughs> uh, but i got up and finished i was ha happy with that boy uh, but our solution to this though and, and what makes us really unique is hydrogel technology mm -hmm. And so what hydrogel is, is it's this 3D network of hydrophilic polymers that swells in water and it can hold large amounts of carbohydrates. And so what we do um, in our drink mix and in our gel is we actually pack the hydrogel with carbohydrates and the hydrogel is pH sensitive. So what that means is like even let's I will take, for example, our drink mix. So if you put our drink mix 320 in a bottle, shake it up. Um, what will happen is when you actually consume that and it hits the stomach acid, it will actually turn into the same texture as the gel itself mm -hmm. in your stomach. And so it creates this hydrogel, which is pH sensitive. And in the pH level of the stomach, it does not change its structure. So all of these carbohydrates are sitting in your stomach in the hydrogel, but not actually irritating your stomach because they're not being absorbed in, in the stomach. And then the hydrogel kind of pulls all of these carbohydrates out of the stomach acid into the lower intestine where the pH level is different. And then the structure changes and it distributes all the carbs to the body. So rather than absorbing the carbohydrates through the stomach, you're absorbing them through the lower intestine where it's then distributed to the muscles and uh, to the blood. And you're able to absorb more carbohydrates by doing that just because you're not actually consuming it through the stomach. It's fascinating stuff, yeah, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's it, super cool. Yeah, the, just the science, the breakthrough there is is remarkable. You mentioned within the line, first the drink mix, 
having a 160 and a 320, those are reflective, correct, of the total number of calories correct. that are in yes. the, the drink, uh, which would then be divided by four to give you the number of carbohydrates that you're getting in the drink. Um, I don't know if we actually just do that math, but the, the carbohydrate content in the 320 is 80 grams. Right, okay. And then the 160 is 40. But yeah. yeah, so I get the reason, I, maybe I presented that weird because I guess what I'm saying is that every gram of carbohydrate has converts to four calories. Yeah, yeah. So if we did it that way, I yeah, guess, sure. would be 40 and 80 in the drink mix. Yeah. Why might someone choose to use one or the other? I can think of potentially a hydration issue to go along with the fueling sure. uh, would be a reason, but why do you provide both products and who do you recommend to use each? Sure. So even though the hydrogel technology does, is is created to not have the GI discomfort, sometimes the 320 for some people is just a little too much dense and okay. too much of a yeah. calorie count. So if you still need the carbohydrate content, but need something a little less dense, like you might go with the 160. Okay. From the hydration standpoint, like our, our team is talking a lot about too, like specifically on a very hot day, um, right. the 160 being a little less dense has a little bit better of hydration properties. So like on a really hot day for a marathon, you might actually, even if you're used to the 320, want to switch to the 160 just that to get some more thought. hydrating principle. Yeah. Yeah. So that makes sense. There, there's different ways you can use it. And there's a reason we've created both, but um, those are two that come to top of mind, but a, a lot of it too, you know, we, we have recommendations on how to start using Morton, but a lot of times fueling is based off of your personal life. Like what's working for you. Like it's, it's a very personalized approach to your training. And so I think having that option just with something a little less dense, a little less calorie count um, is is kind of important for us to have. I thought when you brought out the gels, it was a big breakthrough and not necessarily a, a product, but the accessibility for the average runner. The bottles make so much sense for the elite athlete sure. who has bottle service every 5k along a race course where the average person might have to stuff some gels in their pocket and not want to carry two bottles, whatever it is, over the course of 26 miles. Sure. Accessibility with the gels. Then you added caffeine to the gels first before the drink mixes, correct? Correct, yes. Yeah. Any guidance you would give uh, beyond accessibility on why someone might choose going with the gels over the drink mix or vice versa? Yeah. So again, this is a very personalized thing. We, sure. we like creating all of our products at Morton, knowing that we want people to use it as like a full ecosystem. So you're exactly right. Like most, most people in a major marathon, the gels are going to be more accessible. So mm -hmm. it's natural to gravitate towards those, but we still see the drink mix being something that you could use in your training and the lead up. So like if you yeah. look at our fuel guide, like the Drink Mix 320 is packed with a lot of calories and a lot of carbohydrates. And so when you read our fuel guide in particular for marathon race day prep, we actually encourage people to use the Drink Mix 320 the night before the race. It's as a the loading, load, right? Three hours before the race as a load and then take a caffeinated gel 15 minutes before the start. And so you're, you're loading your glycogen levels yeah. all the way up to the race. And cause we all know, like if you go into a race under fueled and don't take any fuel until you feel like you need it. Yeah, it's Sorry, probably too, too late. late. And so we really have this this principle of of loading the glycogen levels before the race and using the drink mix to do that and then using the gels that okay. you can easily take on course to be able to That to makes do that. great sense then. I'm thinking about the 
you're drinking out of the 323 3ish hours before yep, yep. that corresponds well with the guidance we've given here from a lot of this uh, sports nutritionist dietitians that we've had on the show of approximately 100 calories per hour sure. out from the start i'm going to ask this on a personal level for you now yep. if that is your plan of attack and if so are you supplementing that with any other breakfast or are you just going drink mix? What does that look like for you? Yeah, so I, I have been doing that. I've been doing the drink mix the night before and and the morning of and then supplementing with, with gels or if I am lucky enough in whatever race to have a bottle table. But yeah. in the morning before a race, I still supplement that with a, with a breakfast. Okay, so a small breakfast to go with that. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And, even taking back, I do this for my training too. Cause yeah, that's gold, man. There, right? There's there's a lot of times, you know, I think training and race day are a little different. Like you, you probably wake up a little early on race day, yeah. like feel the race day adrenaline. You're you're up early and can start consuming this three hours before. A lot of times during my training, I like pop out of out of bed, maybe have a cup of coffee, and then go out. Sure. And sometimes it's hard to eat solid food and feel comfortable yeah. with it in your stomach. So I've actually been supplementing using the drink mix so that I can consume calories and still have like a little bit of that. Like I, you know, I, I consume something and feel a little bit full. So I'm not running on empty um, and then go do the workout. Maybe I drank half the bottle before the workout and then half after is like a recovery. But I've been doing this in, in the training too. Um, and sometimes in the training, I don't supplement it with food just because I probably wake up too late. I don't want it sitting in my stomach. And so I'll use the, the drink mix for that. Yeah, the reason I immediately said that's gold is we have multiple factors happening here. Yeah. One is there's gut training yeah. too, right? Yes, to, to, to adapt to using this stuff. Two goes to a point we made at the very beginning about how you then recover and can work out day to day to day to stack sessions sure. along the way. Three is the somewhat of the principle of specificity that we're working at before any race in how we move our body, but there's a level of being specific with what we consume into our body as well to practice that. Yep. As an aside, what works for Zach, what works for me, it's anecdotal, it's guidance. Practice it yourself. It, uh, use these opportunities, create dress rehearsals, whether it's, well, I mean, I'll ask your opinion. I like, uh, I have transitioned now to both long sessions and hard sessions working on some of this fueling before yep. or perhaps during. Are you doing both I situations? Am, I am doing both. Yeah. We've, we've actually seen a lot of benefit to recovery, even if the workout isn't over an hour. Like if you're doing a track session, yeah. we've seen a lot of benefit from an athlete maybe consuming a caffeinated gel during the warm-up. Yeah. Because the caffeine like increases alertness and wakefulness and gets you like mentally prepared for the workout yeah. in some ways. And then sipping on the drink mix, whether it be the 160 or 320 during the workout itself. And still like even though technically the workout might be a little shorter, like I think practicing consuming carbohydrates when you're at that type of effort level is really important because at some point you're going to hit that effort level in the marathon where you're yeah you might feel like you're going to struggle to consume things just because you're you know you're working so hard to yeah, finish those right. last six miles and knowing how to consume carbohydrates at that time is really important so if you're practicing it during those harder shorter sessions like i think that's super super important yeah brilliant you mentioned that uh Maybe 15, 20 minutes out could potentially be a guidance on hitting a caffeinated sure. gel. What is the overall best practice or protocol that Morton recommends for caffeine consumption 
throughout the entirety of your race. Sure. So if we're starting it there, what might it look like later on? Does this vary from person to person, especially people who don't use caffeine in their daily lives? I am not a coffee drinker. Yeah. Does this vary at all for me, someone like me, compared to you who you do drink coffee? Yes, I drink a lot of coffee. Okay. Probably not the, the best one. Very honest. Ask, yeah. Um, yeah. So it, again, it varies from person to person. So our, like our general starting point fuel guide, like we, I kind of walked through it a little bit, but you know, taking the drink mix before the day before the morning of, and then the caffeinated gel during. So for the actual race, we would say, take a caffeinated gel right before the start. And then during the race, you would supplement with the regular gels and then maybe about halfway through to get another spike of, mm -hmm. of wakefulness, like take a caffeinated gel at the halfway mark. But most of the race, our fuel guide would recommend going the the non-caffeinated yeah. version. And, and a lot of this can depend on, again, how much coffee you drink. Like if you're already loaded on caffeine, you yeah, probably yeah. don't need to take a caffeinated well, gel at the that's start. That's an important thing, right? Because there's, there's a ceiling probably yes. here that you're yeah. setting of we don't want to go over this because that can have side effects sure. for performance, but also health, yeah, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And so that's, yeah, again, that's a very personal thing with like how much caffeine you're already consuming. Yeah. And then you know, even we went, we went to this specific, um, with the drink mix, uh, 160, but on a really hot day, like you might not want to be taking as, as much of the caffeine product as well, because it's naturally a little bit of a dehydrant. So if you're yeah, using yeah. the caffeine on a really hot race day, that might create some issues. So Good yeah, point. I think, I think the caffeinated one needs to be used sparingly and you need to know like how it's going to work for so you. So again, you practice it. Again, yes, you practice it. But it's it. done with, with limitation. Sure. That So even if you've practiced it and you're comfortable consuming it, perhaps one just before kind of start line-ish, and then one somewhere near a midpoint, yeah. not to get too deep in the weeds here, but there's also just half-life principles yeah. going on with caffeine of when it reaches its peak. Yeah. And if we take it too late, you might get... In some ways, it could be a placebo. Yeah. You might get that pop of alertness, but you're not getting a true benefit. If I take it at 23 yeah. of 26, it's probably just a little late for yeah. me. Yeah. So you mentioned the hot race conditions affecting how we might consume caffeine. That leads me to my biggest question about your product line. The absence relative to other products of electrolyte levels. When we look at the competitors, some of them have very significant amounts of electrolytes in their product where they're not completely missing in yours, but they are in much lower quantities. This is a question that I address with athletes all the time, how we balance carbohydrate electrolyte consumption during the race, what that looks like under hot, humid conditions, depending on our own sweat rates. So there's so many individual variables. I complement your stuff with other products that I like, perhaps a scratch or a tailwind, whether it's before, like you mentioned, your drink mix as a loading. We could do that with some of the others as well. Or perhaps it's during activity. Is this a question you are wrestling with internally at Morton? And what does your research suggest on electrolyte consumption during activity? Sure. It is a very interesting question. And yeah, you're right. We are uh, talking about this internally. 
I think it's really interesting because our U.S. team has been asking this question because we've all grown up in the U.S. as athletes. And this idea of electrolytes has always been preached to us. And what I'm learning is that, you know, our team in Sweden being in, in a Nordic country, um, it seems like in those countries, electrolytes is not preached as heavily as it is here mm -hmm. in the States. And so we are starting to research um electrolytes and how they benefit performance but our team really believes the pure source of fuel for an endurance athlete is carbohydrates and we do absorb enough sodium and electrolytes in our normal diet that we're going to continue to focus on the carbohydrates so that we can continue to fuel in race performance whereas we think um, electrolytes are good in a normal normal diet mm -hmm. Yeah, the Western diet in particular, we consume a lot of the, like a lot of salty stuff yes. naturally. That makes sense. And it, it's something that I talk to athletes about also in that lead up, like during the taper period, perhaps consuming even more of those. We see that the, the research does suggest that sodium, for example, can be loaded fairly easily, yeah. perhaps easier than some of the traditional carbohydrate loading that we looked at two decades ago, sure, maybe sure. Uh, that's evolved more. So we can get it in our diet. So the research you're seeing suggests if you're doing it well there, it doesn't have to be priority number one, perhaps for the few hours of the actual competition. Is that accurate? Correct. And again, we're, we're in the process of continuing to research that, but that is the, the direction our company is focusing on at yeah. this point. Yeah. Really interesting. I know this is beyond your scope. It's more of a, a socio-cultural question that you mentioned you're a Scandinavian brand, yeah. right? I wonder about climate conditions, where your research comes from there, what athletes, I mean, these are cultures where we see powerhouses at the winter games yeah. that just passed uh, versus some of the American electrolyte research originating like at the University of Florida sure, under sure. totally different climates. Yeah. That would be an interesting comparison down the road. I'm just spitballing yeah, and speculating no, now, right? Interesting but, to, to take that into account. Yeah, we'll, we'll see where that leads because yeah, I'm sure. sure you all are just going to continue to do top-of-the-line research <laughs> yes, to, to see what's what's best. Yeah. yeah. Okay, let's then talk about how your professionals are using this versus the average Joes are using this. Are you seeing differences? And if so, how? Or are the recommendations largely similar if we use them on, uh, like I consider time domains more than distance domains? No, sure. So what's the variation there if it exists? I would say not not much is different. I think we talked about one key point uh, where, you know, for, for a professional using it, they're probably going to get some sort of bottle table. So I, yeah. I feel like our professional athletes using Morton are, are leaning more towards the drink mix yeah. options compared to someone running a marathon that wouldn't have a bottle table access. So I think that's one of the major differences in terms of actual consumption. I think during the race is very similar in how many grams you want Total to be grams, consuming. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of it can alter in the training. Um, so most of our athletes that are working with us have have a session with our head of nutrition where he chats through with them about their training and, and their diet and how they can supplement using Morton to, one, consume more calories and also make sure they're loading their glycogen in the right way. So yeah. our, our professional athletes are getting one-on-one -on -one sessions like to learn how to, how to fuel with, with Morton. 
Whereas, you know, that might change how they're using it a little bit, but with only five, five products, there's not much difference in how you can actually consume compared to a professional athlete. Yeah, so it's, sure. I kind of like that because you can, you can fuel like Eliud, you can fuel yeah. like Molly Seidel. It's, it's a really cool thing that you like, even before New York City Marathon, like one of my really good friends has saw Molly posted exactly how she was planning to use Morton. Mm-hmm during race day and and the lead up and he's like that was the best post ever it made it so easy for me to like learn how to use the product and I, he started trying to fuel that way and i think that's just a really cool thing in our brand is that there's not a lot of products and our athletes are are kind of showing you how to how to use it and yeah. it's uh created some uh some really cool cool connections to the athlete where you can almost fuel exactly how they would for a marathon granted they might not have bottle tables but yeah yeah but Two pieces to that. One, you have many of the best athletes in the world using yeah. this stuff. That says something to me. We're not all the same, but a lot of the best in the world are, are using it. And two, even the novice runner can set up a course in training that replicates what an elite might do sure. with how frequently they're getting the bottles just to sip on, right? Yeah. Because that's an important point of clarity. At these elite bottle stations, we're not sucking down three quarters of a sure, bottle sure. full of Morton. We have a small amount and yep. they're, they're hitting it consistently because they're getting to these bottles maybe every 15 to 20 minutes. But you have the ability in your own training to set that up wherever it might work on a looped course, perhaps for you and just experiment and yeah. see what works. And, yeah. and so that's fantastic. We mentioned a few of the elite athletes yeah. you have. You are the on-course nutrition at Boston, which I think is remarkable because I know being there just a few years ago in a time where I had moved to using Morton, it was relatively new to me, but it was not yet on the course. Navigating that as a guy who doesn't have the elite bottles was more challenging. So tell us who you have running at Boston yeah. among your elite athletes. Uh, of course, you already had one of your best known win Tokyo yes. uh, earlier yeah. this spring. Once again, another marathon major for Elliot Kipchoge. Uh, but then maybe some details on what you're doing at the expo, what the on-course gel stations uh, or drink stations will look like. And then maybe we'll wrap with your Boston racing experience so yeah, you can sure. share kind of a best memory from your time sure. there. Yeah, yeah, that sounds great. Um, yeah, so it's, it's kind of funny. Like we are working with so many elite athletes. There's a lot of them that are using Morton that aren't officially working with us. Yeah. And it's very interesting, but, uh, the, the story we're going to tell a lot during Boston Marathon weekend is through Molly. Um, so she'll be in a really important piece, um, to, to Morton's story in Boston. So she'll be racing. Uh, there are, I believe, five NN running athletes that are running and Great. we do work with NN. So for um, people who aren't familiar yes. with the NN team, could you briefly? Yes. So that is, uh, that is the team out of Kenya that yeah. Eliud Kipchoge trains on. And so there are a lot of world, world-class athletes. Best on there, of the best. Including, uh, Kenanisa Bekele, which, uh, I, I still believe he has the second fastest marathon of all time right That's behind Eliud. Right. And yeah, he's, he's going to be racing in Boston. And so there will be a lot of athletes there. We have a, a bunch of other athletes in the elite field that, that work with us as well. And so, cool. uh, I think the two big stories are Molly and, and the team from NN. Um, and then there's a, a Canadian athlete, Trevor Hoffbauer, that's yeah. going to be racing as well. And yeah. He's a really interesting guy who 
had a, a huge breakthrough. Gosh, has that been maybe three years ago now? Yeah, I think when so. When the, the entire Canadian focus was on Cam Levins, who had a remarkable career at Southern Utah, great runner, Hoka athlete, and Trevor Hoffbauer had this just enormous breakthrough at uh, Toronto, I believe it was. So really cool story from him too. Yeah, yeah, yeah so absolutely. I didn't realize he was with you guys as well. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, we've been working with him for a little bit. Um, excited to, to get him some Morton for on course. And yeah, yeah. It'll, be, it'll be a good good weekend for him, hopefully too. Yeah, so those are some of the elites we're working with as far as what we're doing as a company at the expo is we're really trying to drive home the same story we've been talking about, our, our fuel guide. So on the course, there's going to be three gel stations. Mm-hmm. Um I don't have the the mile markers off the top of my head. I just have rough estimates. I believe there's one at like between 12 and 13, right around 17. And then I think again, right around heartbreak, right after heartbreak. Yeah, so 20, 21-ish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So those will be the three on course. Mm -hmm. And then we're really excited. You look at most sports fueling companies and they'll recommend taking a gel beforehand. Like we just talked about, like taking a caffeinated gel before the race. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have never seen a, a nutrition company set up a gel station at the start line. And so we're doing that. This oh, year, very which cool. We think is, yeah. I'm, I'm going to give all the credit to our, our West Coast, uh, my West Coast pa- counterpart, Brian, for that idea. It's like I love such it. a simple idea, but I think it's brilliant. Like yeah. it's really cool way to, to kind of drive home that fueling story. And, and yeah, so pre-loading. not just to have that right before start line experience. But if you need one to take with you in that gap before your first table sure. that's close to the halfway mark yep. as well. Yep. So yeah, that's great. Yep. And then, so we'll have that there for the start, but then also what we're doing at the expo is what we'll be selling our race day pack. Um, so it's going to be designed to actually supplement what is available on the course. Okay. So uh, with our fueling guide, we talk about the drink mix uh, the night before, the morning of taking a gel at the start, which will have the gel start. And then our, our guide says about every six kilometers. And so in our pack that we'll be selling at Boston, it'll come in a Morton drawstring bag and it'll have a 500 milliliter water bottle, two drink mixes for that pre-race prep, and then three supplemental gels that you can have until you hit the gel station. So that pack will be available so that you can you know, get, get the items you need to make sure you're actually consuming the right level of carbohydrates. Very neat. I always have concern about people not taking their nutrition that they need with them. But if you know, you use Morton, this is such a great option. Yeah, if you sure. practice with it, that y'all will have it available. Uh, the on-course tables, will those be gel 100s? Will there be any calf there? What's that going to look like? Yeah. So it's, it's going to be set up similar to how it was in October. And so I got to go in October and look at the setup and it, it was a about 60, 60 or 65 percent of the gel 100 and then 30 okay. to 35 percent at each at, station yeah, at each so station. they're, they're both yep. available at each but more of the gel 100 correct yeah and so it'll be really easy i think each station we visited had eight different um tables and they were just lined on each side and the, like big banners um, just showing like which product was which so on our packaging the the gel without caffeine is a black package right. and the gel with caffeine is white and so we actually try to recognize that on the course so it'll be big banners that have a, a black banner for the regular gel and then a white banner yeah the, so separate tables yep. marked by banners yep. zach i have about a million reasons to go back to boston 
it's the it's the greatest marathon in the world in my, yeah. in my opinion not that i've run them all but the experience is so exceptional uh, this just adds another layer we we talked recently about how i probably will go back in a few years when i move into the masters yeah. category and the excitement and energy just is growing as we are now we're under 3 weeks away from yeah, this race it's coming and super close, even yeah. if i'm just watching on television it's still so exciting and so i, I am Really happy for our listeners who are running. We have a big cohort of guys who I train with here who listen to all the interviews. And for many of them, it's their first time in Boston. And this just adds another layer of making this experience so great. You've been there before as a yeah. runner. Yeah. That start line in Hopkinton to the finish line in the back bay. Best memories from your Boston experience. It uh, it is quite the experience, and I actually did not perform very well. But it almost day. doesn't matter, yeah, does it? Yeah, it was. I've never had a feeling, you know, specifically running by like Boston College, all yeah. these rowdy college kids, three people deep. Like I've never seen a course where the entire twenty six miles, yeah. um, just point to point, is just lined with people. Is there's so much energy around the course, and it. It was truly like a celebration of all the hard work. And I, I guess my best advice going into Boston after having done it would be that one, treat it like the celebration it should be. I, you know, one thing my coach always talks about is like we get so focused on the race day mm. and like Boston, it's yeah, of course, like we want to be focused on the race day and, and crossing that finish line and having a great performance. But what's really cool is that we put in months of hard work and, and, you know, I'm a huge Sixers fan. Like trust the process. Holy cow. That's been my, hard for you. Yeah, I know. It's been Dr. hard. Dr. J's yes. not walking through that door, man. No, no, he is not. But, <laughs> um, but I love that phrase, even as a runner, just because like we go through this process of every morning waking up yeah, doing stuff so that, that nobody else will have the will to do. And, and I think we learned so much about ourselves in the training process. And I think when you get to Boston, trust all the hard work you did, trust who you became through that hard work and then celebrate it and just run the course and have so much fun and enjoy the crowds. And, and honestly, if you treat it that way, rather than going into it, like I have to hit this time, I have yeah. to perform, like you're going to enjoy the experience so much more. And I, I would encourage that even, even not on Boston, just like treat your training. Like that, that's where you learn who you are, the, the race day celebration. And I, I think if you treat Boston that way, you're going to have an incredible experience. Echo that, man. Yeah. yeah that's spot on. And that description of what the crowd is like on the course, I was there in 2018 in a monsoon in 30-something degree weather, wind in your face 20, 30 miles an hour the whole way. And those crowds were still out there like that. I can't even imagine another experience that compares. To your point about trusting the process, it brings us full circle to where you began with our appreciation and love for the ability to move every single day and to do this thing we love. That's the beauty of the process all along the way. Another really process-oriented coach, since you brought up the, like the Sixers, this was kind of a draft plan over years. They've become competitive now, but they were at the bottom. Uh, someone who's had just an uber-successful career who, who writes about this consistently time and again is Nick Saban, Alabama football. Yeah. I'm not a fan, but I have a ton of respect for it. And one of the things that he will reiterate at the beginning of a season is don't think about a national championship. 
Don't think about an SEC title game. Don't think about the Auburn rivalry. Think about the rep you are in right now and doing it to the best of your ability. Because most of us struggle to do that, to to look beyond the rep, but no, come back, come back into it. And that translates to running. What do we need to do today to become better? What do we need to do today to find great joy in our sport? And if we do those right, and and the people who are training for Boston right now, if you've done those right and you continue to do them right for the next few weeks, that outcome is going to take care of itself because you're going to be ready for it. But as you said, Zach, you're going to find great joy there. And it is one of the few places where I almost don't care about my outcome because even on my worst attempts there, I learned something about myself and there was so much joy shared with Literally a million plus people out there. That's special and unique for sure. Zach, this has been so much fun and really, really valuable. Learned a lot today that we all can take into our fueling and training. I would love to do this again after you qualify for the Olympic (laughs) trials. Let's let's do that. You're good for that? We could talk a little bit more about that journey and and sprinkle in some of this stuff, but focus on your running. I I would love to to share in that experience with you. Hopefully it's at Berlin, but we have a few years here that you can make it happen. Yeah, I think the... I think the cutoff's January 20th of 2024, so we're going to keep uh, keep going for it and, and see what happens. But uh, I'm excited again, like like I just said before, I'm learning about myself in the journey and where I was a couple years ago. Like just the fact that my goal is to OTK, yeah. I'm ec- ecstatic. Like it's just the pursuit of it is super exciting and I... Uh, I'm honored to be there, and uh, no, I'd, I'd I'd love to come back on. Hopefully, after I hit the OTQ and uh, yeah, you know, chat about the journey and how I got there. Absolutely, yeah. we'd love to do it, man. Well, thank you so much, Zach. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. We will see you again next time on Mile 113. Please email us if you have any questions, comments, show ideas. Seconds flat podcast at gmail dot com. As always, we would love to hear from you. Please. Subscribe, rate, and review on your platform of choice, and we will see you again next time. Everybody have a great week.